you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome back to another episode of Tape Heads, Bob Shoes, and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. So glad that you can be with us to talk football with two of the best. Scott Pioli, of course, longtime general manager, breaks down the X's and O's with that personnel bent. And Dan Orlovsky, you always see him on ESPN, my college football partner as well, in front of the Telestrator, breaking down film. That's what we do. We get behind the X's and O's here on Tape Heads and talk football. And guys, as far as I know, I think Matt Nagy is still the head coach, the Chicago Bears. Dan, should he be? There's the jumping off point. If there's a Bears fan out there, they want us to try and solve their problems with Justin Fields at quarterback. Can we? Are these solvable problems? I mean, they're solvable problems with different people running the operation and stewarding his development. Yes. I said after the game, I don't think that Matt and Maggie should be the head coach anymore. And I would be, I would argue with anybody till the day goes dark. Give me reasons why. Give me reasons why. So to the football game, Justin Fields threw 20 passes. 13 of those passes were in five-man protection with not a single help to anyone on their offensive line. I don't care who you are. That's not smart against the Browns. Go watch the Houston Texans game the week before. They chipped Miles Garrett almost every play. Let me know what Miles Garrett did in that game. So... That's issue number one. They didn't move Justin Fields, an athletic quarterback that's got dynamic playmaking ability, big, strong, powerful, and fast. They didn't move him to the middle of the second quarter outside the pocket. 
That's that's coaching malpractice. They moved him three times total in the game outside the pocket. That's coaching malpractice. Um, they went max, max protection uh, with seven men in protection one time. They had three snaps under center. Justin Fields spent the majority of his college career under center. They didn't use a single play action pass from under center. They ran one snap with motion. One it's so my thing is you had 140 149 days since the moment that you made the decision to take those picks trade up and go get him 149 days to start building cultivating this game plan that was going to be different because the players skills are different and you did nothing and so my my opinion on it, my thought on it is you're one of two things. You either did it intentionally to try and prove a point, And I know what that is when I say those words out loud. I hope that that's not the case or you are incapable of doing it. And if that's the case, how can you remain in that position? You, you didn't do it with Mitchell Trubisky. You've had 149 days and you didn't do it with Justin. What makes me think you'll do it by next weekend or the following weekend or the following weekend? I just, it was an incredibly terrible game plan. Dan, I, I, I wish we all had, or the listeners had viewing ability to watch you right now. Um, <laughs> I, um, a little, animated. Uh, a, a little bit, I, you, the way you're grabbing your head, I thought it was going to explode, but, um, you know, here, here's the thing. And I'm not going to get into people getting fired or whether they should be or shouldn't be, but here's, I'm not a coach, but here's what I do know from the little bit of coaching that I did. You know, I was, and working in front offices, um, there are way different ways to protect the quarterback, and I was really spoiled over the throughout my career. You know, when I started as a graduate assistant coach, George DeLeon was the offensive mm. line coach and yep. um, offensive coordinator at Syracuse. And back then, we ran what was called the freeze option, and the freeze option is not too dissimilar from what we see now, which is RPOs. And off of the freeze option, there were a couple of play action passes, but it was the detail of the play fakes and the first two steps of the offensive line that were critical. Right. And then later throughout my career, I got a chance to work you know, with Kirk Ferentz, with Pat Hill, who went on to become the head coach of Fresno State, fantastic offensive line coach, Bill Muro, who was a great offensive line coach, and then, of course, the great Dante Scarnecchia. So I got really spoiled because these coaches, the offensive line coaches and or coordinators were all aware of the strengths and limitations of the players. They loved their guys, right? They loved their offensive linemen, but they were acutely aware of the strengths and limitations. And they would make sure that the coordinators would do different things to help with the protection. And that help would come by virtue of play calling, play Mm -hmm. action, Mm -hmm. the use of screens and draws, right? We all know about chips, you know, you can do, but the use of screens and draws, you know, one way to possibly slow down a defensive line charge is to make the defense hesitate for one split second to get them tired, get them chasing up field and then screen them, get them chasing up field and then go draw. And if you can get that split second in good play action, that can be the difference between not only a sack, but also that split second for a receiver to create some sort of separation for a ball to get in. So there's so many different ways, you know, we can't just say it's the offensive line is awful. Um, 
It doesn't totally. look very good, but you've got to yeah. find ways also, again, you accentuate the positive and limit the limitations through play calling, through formations, through setting things up. And Scott, that's like, that's my sticking point of this whole situation is if you as a coach are going to sit there and say, or imply, and I, you know, I, I don't want to put him out there cause he's not totally ready just yet. I'm okay with that. I get that. No rookies ready. M- most second quarter, your quarterbacks aren't, it's hard. It's a hard position then you better not ask him one single time to do the things that you believe he's not ready to do. You know, if Justin Fields had gone out in that game and stunk it up, but they went with eight quarterback runs and they did 12 bootlegs and they ran five screen passes and a couple quick games and they stunk, at least I can sit there and say, all right, Justin Fields, was he's not ready to go operate that stuff yet. This offense is still too lacking in talent. And I got to give credit to Matt Nagy because he tried. He, gave, he did his all he could to try to figure out a way to manufacture some good offense. That wasn't the case. And that's why, that's why I talk about the 149-day thing. Because this wasn't, if Matt Nagy had drafted Mac Jones then that would be the offense that I expected on Sunday. That would be the offense schematically that I would have expected. Shoot, if he had drafted Zach Wilson or Trevor, that would be an offense that I expected a little bit. The the reality is you drafted a player that has a physical skill set like a Dak Prescott or a Cam Newton. So those are the things that you should be doing. And the fact that you didn't do that, that's why I talk about the 149 days. I'm, I question why, how? Because if I can see it and you could see it and my wife can see it and my kids can see it and the people across the street can see it, if everyone for the most part can see it, how does the person not in control of it not see it? Could the guys from Derby see it, you think, Dan? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 seeing decades of their performance, no, I don't, I don't you know, think they is, could. It is a good point, though, because obviously I'm watching Zach Wilson, and I am watching him look like he is looking at a defense where there might be 17 guys on the field. At least that's the way he's playing. But then you compare him to Trevor Lawrence. You compare him even to the game Mac Jones played this past week. It's okay for a rookie to struggle. Playing quarterback in the it's NFL hard, is really, really hard, number one. And number two, the guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford, so on and so forth, who are really good at it, make the fans think it's yes. a lot easier yes. to do yeah. than it actually is. So when they're watching Justin Fields struggle, but you're right, the the frustration is, is his team doing everything or even anything right now to put him in the right position. And conversely, now we see Baker Mayfield, right? Like Dan, you've seen Baker Mayfield now, and we've got about a minute, minute and a half left in this segment. So guys, just a quick thought on why Baker has taken the steps forward that he has taken when you compare and contrast him with playing Justin Fields in that game. I would say for someone myself, who's had Baker's back through all of his NFL career, the highs and the lows I've had his back. This was one of the games that I was at least most proud of his performance. There's four or five plays in this game where he holds the ball and tucks it and runs, holds the ball and throws it away. And and that to me is going, ha ha, he's realizing the only way, the only way they lose this football game is if he does something stupid with the football. And that is growth and maturity and development and ownership of the game. And that's the greatness. That's what the greats have 
have always done. And I just, I was proud of the way he, he game managed this game. Yeah, and I'll say this, you know, you said a keyword, and this was the word I was thinking this entire week after, or the last couple days after watching. He's always been smart. He hasn't always played with maturity and made mature decisions. And I'm not saying he's immature. He made some extremely mature decisions that were in the great, for the greater good of the team and not trying to do too much. Again, it, both things are critical, being smart and mature. You know, the other thing I think that's helping Baker Mayfield, he's got the, two, two, the, the best one-two running back combination in the National Football League. You, know, you go back and you watch that fourth quarter, and, and I watched it closely. They went at a three tight end sets, different formations, but mm-hmm. three tight end set, and they ran the ball 15 times, not counting the kneel downs, 15 times for a buck one, 101 yards because they just brought it. Mm-hmm. And when you as a quarterback have that threat, and you have, you know, last week I talked about the, the extended running game, having the flexibility with Kareem hunt and have it's like having kevin falk it's like having it's like having any good we used to call them third down backs but now they're change of pace backs or they're receiving backs those things are definitely helping mature hey this is a sport about difference makers and they've got difference makers on that side of the ball there is no doubt about it now some teams that right now are stumbling the colts the seahawks is there hope for both of those teams to rebound and maybe make a playoff run those are two teams we look at when we come back on tape heads you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, 
your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Tape Heads. Bob and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. All right, two teams that at the start of the season we thought could have Super Bowl aspirations, sputtering to say the least, to start off the year. The Seahawks, we'll get to them in a second. Let's start, Dan, with the Colts, because one of your all-time favorites, obviously, Carson Wentz, uh, getting a fresh start in Indianapolis, but they are 0-3. What is going on and how do they fix it? Here's where I am with the Colts. Obviously, we know the this, this schedule was daunting and, and they've dealt with some stuff with injuries. Carson Wentz hasn't had practice time you know, in, in really the whole year outside of the springtime. And that's showing itself a little bit. Now, Carson Wentz is playing good. He's not playing great and he's not playing bad. He's playing good. The offensive line is not a shell of what it was, nor what it was expected to be. Their right tackle is not playing. Nelson goes out. Their center is not playing nearly as good as I expected. I thought this, again, would be a one of the offensive lines in the NFL that we would go, hey, look at all the protection in the run game that's being afforded and this offense can do a lot of different stuff. And so a lot of the things that we saw start to play itself out in Philadelphia for Carson Wentz are playing themselves out in Indianapolis. And that's shocking to me. So it's really difficult to gauge what the offense is right now by the play of their offensive line. Their red zone performance has just been poor. They get down in the red zone because they move the ball relatively well. They get down there and they just stall out. The run game, it's it's sometimes I feel like the backs are just go, trained so much, just go ahead, you know, and they're not necessarily running with great vision. And then in the pass game, there's... The other day, they, they have Michael Pittman on a crosser. I think he gets tugged on a small little post. I think he gets tugged, and that becomes just an inches-out extension miss. And then on third down, Zach Pasco drops the ball. They're not equipped enough to overcome some of that stuff. They miss T.Y. Hilton's speed beyond words. They just don't have any kind of vertical threat in their pass game. It's all catch, dink, dunk. Catch, dink, and throws are difficult right now for this offense when it comes to guys at least stretching the field. I would like to see them put Carson Wentz under center more, use more hardball play action to try to generate some of those three-level big chunked throws. I think that's what this offense needs. Now, they got to hang in there. It's a long season, and this schedule has been daunting, but I think that's a, a, a little wrinkle that they can put into their offense to try to generate some more success. And Scott, to Dan's point, I mean, right now you got Jonathan Taylor, who isn't really a pass-catching threat. He's averaging about 57 yards a game rushing. They're probably pretty predictable when he's on the field personnel-wise. But how, how, from a personnel standpoint, would you try and mix up an offense right now that is, as Dan said, underachieving, especially with an offensive line that's not nearly what we thought it would be. Yeah, and Dan brought up a great point, you know. Uh, but I, the one player that I want to put a little bit of emphasis on is the absence of Quentin Nelson. Yep. You know, we talked earlier 
the, this week, and we're talking about the Cowboys and the importance of Zach Martin. That's who Quentin Nelson is. He brings not only his physical, you know, ability, but he brings his style of play, and it is infectious. So, to me, the absence of that, compounded by the inconsistency at the quarterback position, and people, that, they're just an offense that can't get into rhythm. They're without T.Y. Hilton. You're talking about three players that are probably the best at certainly the best offensive lineman, certainly the most important wide receiver and their best quarterback. So when you have, you know, circumstances like that and your offense isn't doing enough to sustain drives, that puts additional stress on the defense. So as a team, the other two facets of the meaning defense and special teams are going to feel the impact of the offense not playing well. So to me, some of the injuries and the absence of the players they have and who they are and how important they are in in terms of, again, just their identity and their style of play is a real problem, Bob. Can they fix it? I guess that's the big question. I'm not a doctor. If they get healthy, I think they can <laughs> fix it. But to your point and, and question, yes, they can if they're healthy. And that's always the magic, you know, the, the magic question. You know, we're again, not to digress here, but we're talking about the Buccaneers. One of the things that are that's different about the Buccaneers this year, they were one of the healthiest teams in all of football. Yep. They had the fourth healthiest offensive line. When you have a team that stays healthy and players work together and you can evolve and grow and there aren't those hiccups, you know, that was part of the Buccaneers magic right now you're looking at the Buccaneers their defense is having a lot of issues because they're without two really important secondary players and it manifests itself into inconsistency so if they get healthy or healthier they will have a chance because they're really well coached and they know what to do Yep, there are certain teams in the NFL where you know they have the ability to be kind of chameleon-like, but there are other teams in the NFL where you look at their roster and you say, all right, we know how this team wants to play. They want to mash you with their offensive line. They want to run the football. They want to have, you know, as you guys said, speed on the outside in a T.Y. Hilton where you can go hard play action after we run it at you. And right now they can't do either of those things because – they're, they're just not healthy enough to execute the way you know they want to play. And that has to be really frustrating. Dan, let's switch gears and talk about the Seahawks. How can they fix it? For the second week in a row, the reality is that Seahawks defense cannot get off the field. If you go watch their week one performance against the Colts, you go, oh, okay. You know, we, you know we're able to create some pressure on the quarterback and we can get off the field. The last two weeks, they haven't been able to get off the field. Their third down coverage the leverage that they play with is the complete opposite of a team like the Los Angeles Rams defensively. The Rams play with great leverage. If it's cover three, you got to be in the right position, flat defender, hook defender. If it's cover one and we're playing outside leverage because we're playing a cover one robber or three for hole, you got to play on the proper leverage, funnel people to the right guys. They're not doing that. And it's making it so easy for offenses, especially in crucial situations third down situations when game plan specific stuff come into play and that's hurt them in the last two weeks defensively their offense has been okay they've sputtered at moments they've had some things easy early on for us they can't get off the field on third down they've got to change not i want to say change they've got to really get precise and refine the rules of their coverage 
Well, Scott, the defense obviously a problem, but are there offensive issues for the Seahawks as well? And what buttons does Pete Carroll push to make it right? Pete is going to push the buttons. He's also going to push the buttons on defense. He and Ken Norton Jr., I I really believe that they will get the defense right. How many times and how many different seasons do we, you know, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks go through a struggle either at the beginning, the middle, you know, three quarters of the way. And what happens is Pete puts on the gloves, goes to work and starts knocking people out. So I'm not too worried about the Seattle Seahawks and their defense. Pete will get them right and they will start doing things the right way. On the offensive side of the ball, you've still got a guy who's one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. So again, Russell Wilson, the explosion this year or the continual growth of Tyler Lockett, what they need to do is continue, again, get off the field on third down and let their offense go to work eat up clock and score points. One of the things I do want to see them do on offense a little bit more though, is get the ball in the hands of Chris Carson a little bit more run the ball. That's part of Pete's identity, right? Pete is, is he is not only tough minded, he's just a tough guy. And, and that's the identity of his football teams. I think we haven't seen the best of the Seahawks yet, but again, I'm not too worried. I think we're going to get that as time goes on this season. Have they put too much over the years on Russell Wilson? I mean, there might just be the natural inclination with all of his ability to maybe look at him and say, look, you need to be the absolute focal point of everything we do. Whereas when Russell Wilson was at his best, he had that pounded at you running game to supplement what he does. Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Bob. And, And here's what I'll say. Was it the offense and the offensive coordinators and the play calling that puts used to put too much on Russ or did Russ put it on himself? It's different, but similar as I watch Kyler Murray right now. And the the fact is there's plays called, there are things that are supposed to be done, but Kyler Murray makes the decision. He's going to put the offense on his back and he's going to do some of these things. So I don't know. It's kind of a, a chicken or egg thing with me. I don't know if if Russ did that to himself or if it was part of the design. But I think as Russ starts to get a little bit older, um, let's face it, some of the dynamic stuff that he does outside the pocket is still outstanding. I don't know if he can do it as to a great level consistently over the course of a season. So uh, I think that they do need to think about that. And and going back to the running game, Bob, that you mentioned and, and I had mentioned previously, that's always been a big part of any Pete Carroll football team. It'll be fascinating to watch these two teams, all the storylines with the Colts and Seahawks, but there is no more fascinating matchup for us to talk about than the one we're going to get to next, the marquee matchup of week four. Bill against Tom. Can Belichick stop Brady? How do they game plan against each other? We're going to talk about the big one coming up on Sunday night when we come back on Tape Heads. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all 
I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Well, here on Tape Eds, obviously there's a Thursday night game tonight, but the marquee matchup that everybody's going to be talking about through the rest of the week and towards Sunday. We've got Bill versus Tom, the Patriots, and the Bucks as Tom Brady makes his return to Foxborough. And guys, we will leave... You know, the, all of the, the drama and all of the talk show topics to someone else. What what this podcast is about is the X's and O's. This podcast is about the strategy between these two teams. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by all of the years that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady spent together and how they are going to now take that experience and try to attack each other. I'll give you a quick story. So when Eric Mangini came from that whole world in New England to coach the Jets, and I remember before a Patriot matchup, after Asking him, so what's the plan? And he said, look, here's what we're going to do. We've got, this is when they had Ty Law. They brought Ty Law in because the Patriots had Randy Moss. They had Darrell Rivas. They had Kerry Rhodes, a really athletic safety. And they said, here's our plan. And this is what Derek Mangini told me. I'm going to take Ty Law. I'm going to put him straight up in Randy Moss's face. And every time Randy Moss comes off the line of scrimmage, Ty Law is basically going to punch him in the chest because he doesn't like to get punched in the chest. And then I'm going to take Kerry Rhodes and put him over the top. That's going to X out as best we can, Randy Moss. And I'm going to put Revis on Wes Welker. It'll take Tom Brady one possession, maybe two, to see what we're doing. I can't double everybody else. He's going to pick out the mismatch. He's going to burn us. We're just going to have to do the best we can. And at the end of the game, like Daniel Graham had a bunch of catches. Jabbar Gaffney had a bunch of catches at a touchdown. And exactly what Eric Mangini was worried about came true. He picked out the guys he wanted to X out, and he knew Tom Brady would see that, and he would take advantage of the other matchups. And I'm wondering, does Bill Belichick sit there and say the same thing? I mean, I know the guy for 20 years. We'll take away what we know we can take away. We can't take away all of it. And how fast into the game is Tom Brady going to see what we're taking away, and he's just going to respond? See, and that's going to be the beauty of this game, Bob, is the fact that Bill Belichick spent 20 years with Tommy, 
and he knows what his strengths are and he knows what his limitations are. What Bill does every game is finds the top one player or the top two players and he finds and devises a way to eliminate those players and to force them to go and do something else. So they're going to find a way to try, they're going to try to find a way to get to Brady. Then they're also going to be working very hard on whoever they deem to be the top skilled ball carrier. And what's going to happen is, as you say, Brady's smart enough. He's going to figure out pretty quickly. He understands part of the Patriot the, the, the way that things were done there were was halftime adjustments. A lot of teams talk about halftime adjustments. The Patriots generally made their adjustments near the end of the first quarter and the second quarter, and then went even more exponentially at halftime. So it's going to be a really interesting process to see what Bill goes after and what he's going to do. You know, I, I go back to the time when being with Coach Parcells, Belichick, Romeo Cornell, and Al Groh when we were with the New York Jets in 97, 98, 99. They had spent time, Belichick was only there one year with the Patriots in 96, but they knew and we knew Drew Bledsoe inside and out. We knew what his kryptonite was and we attacked it and we went after all those things. And so to me, this is this is going to be a very intriguing matchup to watch. It's not going to come down to all of the stuff that we're hearing about. It's going to be about football. And, and I think as someone said, as we were leading into this, it's going to be spy versus spy and things are going to change on the fly because you've got people that are so nimble and smart and have the ability to change. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about this game every day leading up to it. Um, <laughs> That's great. You know, I think this is a game that the the loss or, or not having Stephon Gilmore for the Patriot defense will show itself. A big question mark is, does Antonio Brown play? If Antonio Brown is available, the Patriots just don't have the horses to line up and play man coverage. They just don't have the humans in, in having the ability to play coverage. I think Bill is going to play a ton of zone. Just a ton of zone. and Because I don't think Bill's going to give them the opportunity to, to at least have the likelihood of these chunk plays. Um, I think that he's going to try to attack the play-action pass protections of New England. May, I, I could see him on play-action. When, when New England, or excuse me, Tampa Bay, when Tampa Bay brings that sixth offensive lineman in the game, they either run the football or go heavy play-action and try to get to seven-man protection. I could honestly see Bill Belichick in those situations teaching his defensive lineman to drop back to just you know almost have eight or nine guys in coverage given what the personnel and the situation is for Tampa because it, it, and when I know it's like well duh Dan it's either run or play action that but that's all they do you could teach those guys almost what he did to Sean McVay in the Super Bowl Six guys at the line of scrimmage, one guy in the middle, bang against the run, and if it's passed, we're all dropping back. And that's how they took the play action away from the rant. And I could see something similar to that and where they're just making Tom play check down and check down and check down and almost going, well, you watched me do this for 20 years to guys. Are you going to be the person who I get as well type of thing? Are you going to make – because Tom's aggressive with the football right now down the field because he can be. you know. So I, I think that's going to be the philosophy or I could see it at least. And then for the other side, for New England's offense against Tampa's defense, I'm incredibly disappointed in the New England offensive line right now. I thought they would be an absolute strength of this football team, and they're not playing that way. And it's hurting the quarterback. He's not playing great, but it's hurting the quarterback, especially since he's young. And the second thing, and Scott, you could really t talk about this a little bit more, is 
one of the things that I thought separated New England for a long time was they never had guys really that were man coverage dudes. They had guys that won in man coverage, but Josh and Coach Charlie Weiss, but Josh did such an awesome job of scheming things up to beat man coverage, meshes, picks, rubs, two-man and three-man stuff. They're not doing it right now. They're not doing those man beaters. They're just asking Jacoby and Nelson Kendrick and, and John, just line up and win. And that, for me, to watch is so oddly... I guess frustrating because I'm sitting there and going, man, how come you guys aren't doing more of the stuff that you've done for a long time? So, you know, I think the screen game for New England's offense is going to be a big deal. Mac is going to be able to get completions against this defense. They're not going to play a ton of man. They're going to play their soft zone. Um, But if they do decide to play man Tampa Bay, New England's got to start going back to their roots. My thought on that is, or first of all, the screen game is going to be different. It's going to be different without James White. Yeah. He's not going to be there. That That's going to be, be an issue for them. In terms of, you know, having strong personnel is a really interesting thing because sometimes we all get seduced by how talented people are and we kind of let our guard down. And I'm not saying that's what the Patriots are doing right now, but you bring up a really interesting point because they're not doing some of those things. I don't think that they won't be doing that for long, right? I think once they figure out that they don't have dudes who can separate all the time, they'll do certain things. They'll get back to the rubs. They'll get back to doing things with formations and routes that that, uh, allow them to create separation. But here's the other thing about separation. Number 12 was special because the amount of time that he spent, and and, and I'll never forget this, It, it was... There were a lot of times when people say, ah, Brady's not that accurate. You know how, did you see how that receiver had to make that catch down by his, his oh, shoestrings? Oh, did you God. see how he had to do that? Ask the, reality- the jet play-by-play guy how accurate Tom Brady is. Good Lord, watched it for 20 years. Shut up. Uh, it, All the people the that say that, shut up. Early in his career, Bob, <laughs> early in his career, people thought that it was a lack of accuracy. What, like when he won the but Super Bowl as a rookie? You mean that early? Uh, I would say uh. the, the first three. <laughs> Just like he couldn't throw the deep ball because he didn't uh, have right. to. Bob, my point is, yeah. he put the ball, his throws created yes. separation, and yep. his work together. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Their work together. You know, part of what went on in the Patriots too was there were receivers. If they weren't willing to do all the extra work, get there early, stay late, do all the little things, be as smart as, know with that one look, the look of the eyes, or the quarterback. If they didn't mm-hmm. learn Tom's mm-hmm body language, he ran the dudes off. It didn't matter how talented you were. We had a number of high, you know, second round picks that had all the tools and the skills in the world. They weren't willing to put in that work and be able to do the things to handle the separation that Brady would would create by his throws. So I think, you know, Dan, you're right. They're not doing some of the things from a scheme standpoint, but there were also some things being done from a preparation standpoint and a skill standpoint by Brady. Yeah. And you know what? I'm really glad you also guys got to the other side of the football because I can't wait to see how this game plays out. It's going to be all Bill versus Tom. That's all anyone's going to talk about all the way through the weekend. Todd Bowles, who loves to blitz against a rookie quarterback 
quarterback is an equally fascinating X's and O's element of this game. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out on Sunday. When we come back next week on Tuesday, we're going to be talking about this game, obviously, and we'll see how this all breaks down because week four has arrived in the NFL. We are back on Tuesday, and we will have a ton to say, I'm sure, about Bill versus Tom and the Bucks taking on the Patriots. Thanks for being a tapehead. Tapeheads is a production of iHeartMedia and the NFL. You can download the Tapeheads podcast on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.